Today is Good Shepherd Sunday. Good Shepherd Sunday was not a concept that I grew up with as Jesus, the Good Shepherd. Jesus was somebody else. He was the the judge sitting on the bench and to judge the living and the dead. I, I didn't see him as the Good Shepherd. I didn't. I don't even know that I am familiar with that concept. Although I remember the local Lutheran church had an image of Jesus with a sheep over his shoulder. And as a kid, I was kind of drawn to that a little bit. Thinking, oh, that's kind of neat. Huh? A little different. <clears throat> Usually I kind of saw Jesus with a lightning bolt in his hand. In the seminary, though, I, I became familiar with his feast day. <clears throat> and I began to really greatly appreciate it. Jesus as the good shepherd. And what is a good shepherd? So the word pastor actually comes from, its, its root derivative comes from the word shepherd. The first thing I think that we need to say, though, is that there's something extraordinary about Jesus Christ. And that he's the only God who comes into the human race, becomes one of us, and lives amongst us and demonstrates in the most radical possible way his infinite undying love for us by suffering and dying for us. The God of Islam will not do that. The God of Islam is up there somewhere in the sky kind of thing. And it's your job to conform yourself to uh, that God, Yahweh. And uh, and that Yahweh has no mercy. You conform yourself to him or you die. And you die eternally kind of deal. And that God's not going to suffer for you at all. And in Islam, they find it baffling that Christians would see that their God would suffer. In Islam, they'd say, well, God is infinitely powerful and infinitely in himself. How in the world could he suffer? And he certainly wouldn't lower himself to suffer for our sins. Or even the Jewish God, I am who I am. He's so other they can't even say his name, which is I am who I am. So when Jews are speaking of God, they're going to call him by his name. They use the acronym of Yahweh, which are just simply the first letters in Hebrew of I am who am. <clears throat> He's so utterly distant and sovereign and beyond us. There's, he gave us a sheet list of rules to follow and to check off. And if we do, we're okay. If we don't, bad news. But there's no personal relationship. There's no personal wading into our life and loving us. And then, of course, the atheists in whatever manifestations they have, there is no God to love them in the first place. So this is a powerfully unique concept of gods. The Roman gods, the Greek gods, Pluto and Apollos, Poseidon and all the rest, Jupiter. They actually enjoyed giving people pain. They enjoyed toying with us and playing with us, etc. So here's Jesus, God, taking on the image of a little lamb or of a sheep or of a shepherd, which is extraordinary, extraordinary. But then our God is extraordinary. Jesus is this good shepherd and he uses this word in our gospel, lead, L-E-A-D, lead. Almost none of us will lead when it comes to Christianity. Few of us will lead when it comes to the public square and all that, but you know, it's one thing to say, well, okay, we got this thing, please sign up for it. And like a fraction will sign up for it. We got this thing and we need a leader. Oh, not me, man. No way. Good shepherds lead. They lead. And what that ultimately means is 
They're willing to lay down their life. There's a difference between a shepherd and a mercenary. A mercenary works for pay, for hire, and as long as everything is fine, it looks like the mercenary might actually care about the flock that's been entrusted to his hire. But then once the predators come, the mercenary says, well, I'm not going to lose my life for this, and they flee. And then you realize, well, their motivation was never love. It was just money. And they could throw away the lives of their flock for money. But Jesus isn't about money at all. He's about love, infinite love. And so he's willing to stand against the wolves and the predators and to stop them, and even at the cost of his own life. On Good Shepherd Sunday, we recall to mind these truths of who Jesus is, and we're inspired by this. We're, we're challenged in our own life to, to love him in return as the Good Shepherd loves each one of us. Just as the the good shepherd loves his sheep by laying down his life for him. Ultimately, the sheep would love their shepherd by laying down their life for him, too. So we've got this kind of reflective dynamic of what's going on in in the divine person of Jesus. But on Good Shepherd Sunday, too, we take a look at our own life and to see how we're participating as a member of his flock, as a member of his fold. Am I being the sheep, the lamb, that he wants me to be? Am I being absolutely faithful to the shepherd? Or am I not? And if I'm not, do I actually think that no other sheep in the herd is going to see me? I don't know if they're called, maybe they're called flocks and not herds, but it's impossible for sheep in a flock to misbehave and not have an effect on another sheep because they're all living jowl to jowl with one another kind of thing. And in the truth, that's true of us too. It's impossible for any of us to be disobedient members of the flock and not think that we're having a negative, evil effect on someone else in the flock. So we all have responsibilities. We have responsibilities to be a really good little sheep to the shepherd. But it goes a step beyond that, doesn't it? Because in some way, every one of us has a responsibility to be a shepherd to someone else. Spouses have a responsibility to co-shepherd one another. Parents have responsibilities to shepherd their children. And grandparents, and I know you don't like this, but grandparents have a responsibility to shepherd your grandchildren. So it's not, oh, my adult children, they just, they just blow off the faith, and I guess my grandchildren are just doomed. Oh, well, whatever. No, it's not whatever. You see your grandchildren from time to time. You are their good shepherd because your child isn't. We all have responsibilities to be like Christ, to be a good shepherd. Who's the wolf? Who's the predator? Ultimately, the predator is Satan, demons. There are fallen angels with far more power than you and I. Far more power than you and I. As I read through the lives of the saints, and these saints wrestle, sometimes physically fight demons, they will say to their dying day how much more powerful the demons are than them. They'd have no chance against even the lowest of demons because even the least of the angels is more powerful than the greatest of human beings. The only chance that the saints have against fallen angels, against the power of those predators, is God. 
who is infinitely more powerful than all of them combined. And so the saints are constantly relying on God and leaning on God and hanging on God as a defense against Satan and fallen angels. They never take them on by by themselves. I am not going to fall because I'm stronger than you. No, it's always by the grace of God. Get rid of them, Lord. Get rid of them. How do these predators, the fallen angels, prey upon us, upon this flock? Temptations to vices. Just 99% of the time, that's it. Temptations to vices. Temptations to lust, to power, to envy, to greed, to gluttony, to wrath, to laziness. In its various manifestations. Envy to... Or, just preying upon our pathetic little desire to be loved and liked by other people so that we'll conform to something that's evil. They're constantly at work preying upon the flock. And it's really important to recognize that the predator is not without. The predator is in the flock, dressed as one of us. The story of Little Red Riding Hood comes to mind. and The wolf dresses up as the as the grandmother or something. He's the grandmother and lies in bed and dresses up. So too do the say to the to these demons of the netherworld. They dress up and look like us. And they get us right where we're at. But there's a second predator, and it's a much more obvious predator. But like the frog that's placed in cold water and it's perfectly happy and slowly turning up the water, it never jumps out until it finally is boiled to death. The world, the world, the TV set, the internet, popular music, nonstop news on TV or the radio or whatever, or the internet. I heard that something like almost one-third of Americans spend almost their entire waking hours with the internet. It's become a profound addiction, a profound addiction. We just can't get enough news. We just can't surf that internet enough. We can't watch enough YouTube videos. Believe me, the predators there, the world, the spirit and the mind of the world is just being poured into a soul. So this day, Unlike what the poor Muslims and the poor atheists and the poor Jews and the poor Hindus and their false gods and all that. Unlike all of the false religions. Today we recognize that we have a God who loves us to death. The good shepherd. The good shepherd. Who isn't doing it for money, but for true altruistic love. Would come into my life and your life, into our world to lead us to green pastures and with his mighty staff to protect us from predators. And we have a responsibility within that fold to conform to that shepherd, to be like that shepherd, and to help the others in the flock to do the same. And then we have a responsibility to recognize that in various different ways, we too are good shepherds or called to be, and that we have to fight the enemy We have to fight the world. We have to deliver our own spouses, our own children, our own grandchildren out of the jaws of the wolf.